welcome. We even accept 11 hour people, no problem. <laughs> okay, uh, our general title, as you can see, is Understanding World Religions and Contemporary Worldviews, Sharing the Everlasting Good News. Uh, before talking about world religions, I would like to uh, delineate, I mean, to show as clearly as possible what is it that we call good news. What is this everlasting good news? Before I start, allow me to take a few minutes and just, you know, I believe we are family, right? So we can communicate freely here, no problem. Nothing that you will be saying will be held against you anyway. Huh? Uh, so please, uh, let me ask you a question. What is it that we call good news or gospel? You know, the word gospel is sometimes more more complicated, but what is it that we call good news? My first meeting, I would like this to be as clear as possible so that at the end of this session, uh, your view, I hope, of what we call everlasting gospel will be expanded. That is really the objective, uh, very simply stated. So if someone meets you in the, I mean, in the street here in Louisville and asks you, what is it that you call gospel? What would you say? Don't speak all at once, please. <laughs> what would you say? Yes, please. Salvation that we have in Christ. Okay, what else? Welcome. What else? Nothing else to say? That's it? Fear not. I mean... <laughs> we were created for a purpose. We were created for relationships, okay? Definitely. What else can we say? Anybody else? That's all we have to say about the, the gospel? Yes. The ability to transform our lives. The ability, I mean, whose ability? Ours or? Christ's ability to transform our lives. Yes, sister? Wonderful. Uh, one, uh, one of the images that I use for that is God is the best architect. You know, he can take broken bits and pieces, you know, like, uh, in a, uh, like when, when people build houses, you know. Uh, it's messy, it's you know, mud and everything, but then the end product is just beautiful. So yes, God can really, um, I mean, transform our lives and put them in a way that is marvelous. Yes. Through Christ, we have been reconnected to God. I mean, everything that you say. Yes, please. Everything that sin has messed up, Christ fixes it, right? Yes, definitely. You see, and everything you say really uh, needed to be expanded, unpacked, if you were given time. But this morning, I'm the only one given, you know, like one hour for this. So let me just share with you a perspective on what we call everlasting good news. So as you see, the title of this presentation, the way I put it here, is a comprehensive gospel. Uh, notice, I insist on the word comprehensive. 
Uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, gospel, of course, good news, and I put here antidote, medical term, but you, we will see why, to all the woes, woes and sorrows. I'm actually borrowing here a statement from Ellen G. White that we will uh, share shortly. Okay, uh, you know, <laughs> we have a problem as human beings, and essentially, we can say that all world religions, and this will be our setting today. Maybe let me do this. Uh, these six sessions will be really focusing on world religions, but not just theoretically. We'll be talking about your neighbors. Your neighbors are Muslims, they are Hindus, Jews, I mean, uh, secular, and so forth. Uh, but what we ought to know is that each world religion has an idea about the problems that human beings face. And each world religion proposes a solution to those problems. Okay? A Hindu solution may not be the same as a Buddhist, as we will see. A Muslim would be a different solution or even a different identification of those problems. See, basically what I'm saying here is that different, religious, uh, different religions offer differing diagnoses and cures. They are not the same. They, are, they do not identify the problems the same way. The diagnosis that a particular religion articulates asserts that every human person has uh, basically non-physical illness, so deep, etc. Let me, let me move on to, uh, to, to say the following. I can go here. here. Here is the problem that we face. Each world religion identifies a basic problem. And actually sometimes they even identify several problems. Some of the time they will offer one solution or several solutions. But what I want to share with you today is to tell you, only in the Bible do you find a comprehensive diagnosis or assessment of human problems. Do you hear me? Only in the Bible, and that is my assumption, basic assumption, only in the Bible do you find a comprehensive, it doesn't mean that you, you don't find some uh, problems, you know, well identified in other world religions. But only in the Bible do you find a comprehensive diagnosis of the problem, and of, I mean, of the problems, and of course, a comprehensive solution. Okay? So that's, that is the basic as, uh, uh, assumption here. But consider this. The good news, therefore, or gospel, can only be good enough if it addresses all the ills of human existence. Think about it. If a person has several illnesses, huh? <laughs> finding one or two of a, or even a few cures to his or her disease would not be good news enough. Would you agree with that? Let me break this down. I want to be really clear about this. Imagine somebody is sick and the person has several fatal diseases. Several of them. Imagine that we bring that person to, to, to a physician and the physician comes and tells the person, hey, I have found one cures, uh, one cure rather, for one of your diseases. Is that good news? 
I think it is good news, but not good enough. Why? Because the other fatal diseases are going to overcome that person, and the person would die. You agree with me? Okay? So therefore, in order to heal that person, a comprehensive solution or cure uh, must be found for that person. So this is why I say here, all his or her diseases have to be addressed and cured. Therefore, a comprehensive solution has to be found. I am just putting some uh, foundation so that when you hear the word gospel, think, is the gospel that I'm sharing just part of the truth? You know, just one aspect of the truth? Or am I sharing a comprehensive good news? You see, uh, <laughs> it is interesting. Sometimes people, uh, when they just Okay, of course, people have their favorite topics. You go to a church, a pastor tends to preach, uh, to, uh, to, to, to preach his favorite sermons, okay? Those with whom he, he feels comfortable. However, the gospel, all the gospel, that is, all the purposes of God have to be shared. Otherwise, we leave people basically depriving them with something that they fundamentally need. Now, there are as many diagnoses and cures as there are religions and philosophies. <laughs> you know? And as we will see shortly, this is why it is important to understand uh, people of world religions, their belief system, and so forth, so that when you share with them the gospel, you know exactly where to scratch or you scratch where it itches, or you package the gospel in a way that resonates with what they can understand, at least, I mean, at the start. But then you have to move that person to a comprehensive grasp of biblical truth. And it is not by chance that we Adventists have been called at this time in a unique way to relate to people of world religions. I will come back to that shortly. Now, we will look at various religions from the following perspectives. Uh, let me give you a template. Uh, what I'm sharing, of course, this presentation is going to be posted on the web, so no problem if you miss something. But I am committed to all the presentations that I make from now on and so forth to post it on the Adventist Mission website. So, uh, you know, even if I don't distribute anything, it doesn't matter. Also, uh, if you can, and let me just uh, plead with you, once we are done, and then this evening you sit and you start reconstructing what we have done today, you will never forget it. And you will package what you will hear in a way that, will, that, that, that you will own, you will personalize it. So when you will share it, it will be yours. You understand what I'm saying? You know, because uh, through experience, I mean, I taught over 20 years, okay, in the academic world. I know that it is only what you write yourself that you are comfortable with sharing. That's just, you know, uh, but of course people like, you know, to have material and that's okay. But ultimately, so anyway, it will be available on the web and so forth. And beyond that, you have to write it, write your own, okay? Uh, this, this being said, 
if you, I'm going to give you, though, a template. If you want to know about a world religion, one of the approaches that I use, uh, just let me share with you, uh, in less than six months now, we will be having a video, a DVD, on world religions that I'm film, filming and, uh, I mean, all over the world. So we, there, there'll be material available starting at, uh, that will be distributed at the general conference, okay? So we take each world religion and on the basis of this template, very simple thing. One, the name and characteristics and claims. A name always tells you something. Always tell, tells you something about a, world, a given world religion. By the way, am I, is it okay that I'm moving here or do you want me to be formal and hide behind this desk? It's okay. All right. I'm not very disciplined, so I, I move <laughs> a lot. So the first thing, what did I hear? <laughs> the first thing is the name of a given world religion. Why Buddhism? You know, the word Buddhism is not just, just uh, uh, chosen at random. Why Islam? Why Shintoism? Uh, or why Christianity? Okay? Why Adventism? All these words have stories behind them. So they say something. And they also display the characteristics of a given, uh, of a given world religion. And also, let's make no mistake about it, Every world religion makes claims. You know, neutrality is not here an option. Every one of them makes claims, as we will see. Second, they identify problems, right? Third, they, I, they offer solutions. So you see a basic template that you can use. What is the name of a given world religion? What are the problems that they try to solve? What are the solutions? Second, uh, fourth, what are their values? Values. The best way to know about a religion's values is to talk about the people who come from that religion. Insiders. Why? Because they will always have something that you won't find in books. Because that is part of the culture. Okay, we will, we, we will come to that. What are the anti-values and the taboos? What is it that they ab abhor to do? Okay, again, how would you know about this? By asking the people who have taken their mother's milk, basically, from that, you know, in that religion. Nobody can explain your religion better than yourself. And that's just... Because that, that's who you are. And these are something that go beyond books. I can read so much about Hinduism. But when I sit to listen to a Hindu, the way he will talk about his religion will always be more intimate, more personal than an academic assessment on, of a given world religion. Of course, this is a step to help us you know, introduced, but ultimately, I mean, my friend Sam is from Australia. I could read books about Australia, but when I ask him, tell me about Australia, there will always be something personal, unique, a unique perspective about Australia, right? You live about two and a half hours away, I learned this morning, okay? If I were to ask you to tell me about Indianapolis, 
Ohio, was it? Okay. Fine. You know, uh, so the way that she will speak about Ohio will be an insider view. So this is why communicating with people will always help us to better understand. Now, it doesn't mean that what they say is the truth from God. But at least, <laughs> at least it could help us to package the gospel in a way that relates to their particular perspectives and needs. Now, and of course, what are their rites and rituals? All world religions, they have this. Huh? Uh, the signs and the symbols, the means and mediations. Okay, that's number six. Finally, a seven, what I call the, uh, what I call the connectors to share the gospel with these people. Okay? So this is just a basic template that anybody can use. And this uh, DVD series, I based it on this seven step where I talk about the name. You know, I did some studies, philology and so forth, where I look a little more in depth about what these words are saying. You know, these world religions. Uh, there's a whole philosophy or world of thought behind them. Okay. All right. I see some of you are writing. Am I clear so far? By the way, you can interrupt me anytime. Uh, feel free. If there's something that is not clear or even that you do not agree with, no problem. I have the gift of not being susceptible. So no <laughs> You cannot offend me, actually. Yes, please. I'm sorry? Oh, Gnostic. Gnostic, yes, okay. Let's, um, this is really uh, like, these are the people who believe that you have to have gnosis, a knowledge, a higher superior knowledge in order to be elevated to a higher plane. But it was a movement in the early church, usually that, disc, uh, that thought Christ uh, was not a human being, was just divine. You know? So there are several characteristics. So let's come back to that, especially when I talk about the contemporary worldviews. They are very much affected by Gnostic movements, okay, or a world of thoughts. So we will come back to that. But for now, let me then move on to what Ellen White says. Remember, our goal today for this uh, one, first one hour, that's almost to me, this is something I take about a week to unpack. But let's do it in one hour so that you can have just in a nutshell a picture of what the a comprehensive gospel is. Ellen White says, listen to this. Every feature of the third angel's message, that is, the three angels' messages, she, she meant actually, is to be proclaimed in all parts of the world. Notice, every feature. Eh? And then she says, this message is a testing message. Received into honest heart, it will prove an antidote for all the world's sins and sorrows. She doesn't say some. Notice, right? The three angels' messages, everlasting gospel called an antidote to all the world's sins and sorrows. Now, you understand then, therefore, we really ought to look into what is it that, I mean, provides a cure, an antidote to all, not just some. Remember the, the comprehensive nature of the gospel, uh, I mean, of the good news I am alluding to here. And then she continues. She says, no conditions of climate, of poverty, of ignorance, of, or of prejudice can hinder its efficiency 
or lessen its adaptability to the needs of mankind. You know, okay, I spent uh, over, let me see, over, over 22 years training pastors, meaning teaching pastors to, you know, to, <laughs> to become pastors, basically. Guess what? One of the key uh, elements that I used to emphasize is for them to really be able to bring the Bible to be alive among God's people. But unfortunately, many people are content with secondary literature, the latest book, the latest, you know, the, the, the latest idea in order to entertain people in the, uh, in the church. However, listen to this, the Bible contains all that we need to feed God's people. I mean, everything. Okay? And what Ellen White emphasizes here, notice the three angels' message, the good news, as antidote to all the world's sins and sorrows. No condition of crime or poverty of people, etc., can hinder its efficiency or lessen its adaptability. Every word is important here and needed some more unpacking, even though time will not allow me to unpack more about this idea of adaptability without dumbing down the message. Okay? Now, from the point of view of human beings, though, this everlasting good news is predicated or is based, if you please, upon a series of bad news. <laughs> you know, uh, when we talk about good news, it's because there are bad news. Are you following me? If there was no bad news, then we would not even need good news, or all, good, all news would be good anyway. So then, what we call good news, it's because there are bad news. By the way, these are what world religions call problems. Now, uh, uh, let's say, and we will come back to that later, a Hindu will say the bad news is bad karma. Uh, for example, it's samsara, reincarnation. Bad news is ignorance, etc. The Muslim will say bad news is this and that. But... Now, I would like to focus on the biblical perspective. What is it that the Bible calls bad news? You will notice here, uh, and I'm just going to take a sample from the first six chapters of Genesis. Guess what? Uh, in a more comprehensive study that I have done about this, I, <laughs> I do, um, I've done an inventory of all the bad news in the Bible. <laughs> and the reason for that is that, well, I need to tell people uh, uh, the good news, and I know what they call bad news is there somewhere in the Bible, of course, you know. Then I adapt the message God gave to, I mean, under those circumstances, to that person's circumstance. Now, yes, is my microphone on? Oh, maybe not. No wonder I'm telling myself, why am I raising my voice like that? It's just because the microphone was not on. No wonder. Thank you very much. You see, I always need somebody to save me something. Thank you. Is that better? However, if it is too loud, if it's now you know, tingling in your ear, just please tell me, okay? Now, you can understand here very clearly that uh, when, you, when, when you look at the book of Genesis, just a sampling here, okay? 
uh, again, you can do this on your own. Trust yourself. Don't depend on experts. <laughs> because when you depend on experts, then you, you, know, you will not allow God to use the unique perspective that he wants to use through you. We are living in a world you know, where we emphasize you know, leaders, experts, and this kind of thing. But all those things, most of the time, is to prevent the Holy Spirit to do something that he can only do through you. I insist we have to liberate God's people. We have too many pretenders, even in our church. I'm the expert. I have this degree, that degree. That doesn't mean anything because the, the Holy Spirit can override all those degrees and, and, and use you. So don't, under, now, don't neglect the intellectuals, you know. Don't, don't neglect studying. But be aware of people who may take the place of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's why I insist you can do this even if we don't do everything. It doesn't matter. God can lead you. Trust God and don't underestimate what he can do through you. Anyway, when you look at Genesis, simply, yes, uh, we have this motif developed. Sin and its consequences. Curse and its manifestations. Ha. You know why, it, why, why is this important? It is not enough for people to be kind. I have kind people in my own family. But kindness is not salvation. Or it's not because people are kind that they are saved. You understand what I'm saying? So it's not enough for somebody to say, oh, Hindu are good people. I met the generous Hindu. I mean, <laughs> yes, that's good but not enough to save that person. Okay? Why? Because the problem is deeper. There is a curse that hovers over all humanity. And this curse, you know, people talk about original sin, <laughs> which is not biblical concept. I could even venture to talk about the original curse. Okay? But another thing, we have a big problem, death and its symptoms. In other words, we have to find a solution to sin, solution to the curse, solution to death. You following me? If our sins are forgiven and still the curse you know, hovers, it's not good enough. If the curse is forgiven but then death is still there, it's not enough. Again, by the way, the ultimate abandonment and second death. That's a terrible problem. Right? So these are some of the problems that we find, but let's be a little more specific now. This, the, the, uh, what I do, like, this is like a general approach. We start broad, we come closer now, and then we're going to look more specifically. What are the problems? Okay. Sinfulness, suffering, and mortality are woven in the fabric of human existence. And that's a problem. It doesn't matter where you go, who you talk to. I hope you are seeing what you could do in uh, taking these things. Let's look at the problems. 
again I told you just from the first chapter of Genesis. Number one, the problem is expulsion. From a pristine environment of delight and, and the problem is cessation of fellowship with God. Somebody was saying earlier, the good news is the restoration of fellowship through Christ. Right? Because it was predicated or based upon a problem that there was a cessation of fellowship. And therefore, the need for the restoration of fellowship. We were made to fellowship with God. Nothing short of fellowship with God, of love, with the God of love, will satisfy and fulfill human beings that long after our maker. Nothing. No matter what you have, it will not be sufficient. And by the way, this is the same for the Muslim, same for the Buddhist, same for the Hindu, same for the Shinto, same for the uh, at, for adherent of tribal religions. They long, even if they don't know it, they long after fellowship with God. That's why reconciliation ultimately... I mean, we will be ourselves totally only when we are reconciled with God. Nothing short of that will do. So that's Genesis. Imagine, God came in the midst of the garden. He used to walk in fellowship with Adam and Eve. That was broken. So the good news then will have to be Something about the restoration of fellowship. Now, let me move on. Number two, we have another problem. Guilt and remorse. Why do you think Adam and Eve hit themselves? Okay? So that's how many people are, I mean, overcome by guilt and remorse about what they have done in the past. So the good news has to be liberation from guilt and remorse. Okay? Now notice, these are just aspects of the good news so far. That's why I talk about comprehensive good news. Huh? Uh, so then, guilt, remorse, regret, helplessness to fix the past, and the corresponding need for forgiveness, reconciliation, and peace. You know why I start like this? Because talking about world religion, we may be deceived thinking, oh wow, they have everything there. They have the whole gospel. The gospel is found nowhere else but in the Bible. I don't know if you hear me. Let me repeat that. It is deceptive to think that the gospel is found anywhere else. You will find gems of truth, but Jesus is presented no way, nowhere else but in the Bible, the way he is presented there. I will come back to that. Bondage of the will, that's the problem. And corruption of the imagination. Some people want to do good, but it's not working. Uh, okay, I will tell you a story later in the second session when I will not be uh, recorded. Because it's too personal to, to send to the web. Okay, think about this. Bondage of the will, corruption of the imagination. The Bible says the wickedness of, of man was great in the, uh, in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. That's like generalized spiritual cancer. Now, uh, think about this. <laughs> from the Garden of Eden, from Genesis, there is a problem, another one, existential void and frustration that translate into hostility. 
Why are people hostile? Animosity towards our brothers and sisters in humanity. This existential frustration is the root of competition, by the way. Jealousy, inferiority and superiority complex, violence and murder. The symptoms of sin, such as accusing others, malicious intent, verbal and physical abuses, are all, are all rooted in this existential malaise. If somebody comes to accuse you or comes to accuse you, don't worry about it. That person has an existential frustration. A balanced person will not attack others. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying, right? Somebody who is a balanced person, well in his being, will not do harm to anyone, would not accuse, would not slander. It doesn't work together. When you see those, tell yourself, well, that person needs God's healing. Somebody comes to tell you something about another person, it is a symptom of this existential frustration. That's why we need reparation. You know, I, I, I mean, healing from the inside, pre, uh, precisely. But the good news, notice, uh, <laughs> this is why some, some people come say, oh, I'm saved, you know, I'm a missionary, I'm the, okay, good. But at the same time, the person is in competition, jealous. You know, this, this, you wonder, say, my goodness, have you experienced the comprehensive gospel? Okay? Now, we're not here to accuse those people either. <laughs> In other words, we're here to say that the good news should expand also to those. And if it happens to be some of us, me, myself, and so forth, the good news is that God can deliver us from this. Now, there's another problem in Eden. Uh, by the way, you know, I'm not unpacking everything here, but you know why I say existential frustration? What have you done, Adam? Oh, the woman you put beside me. I mean, he was frustrated. Okay? And the woman, the serpent, somebody else but me. It's not my fault. I'm okay. All right. Sickness, another problem. Sickness, diminution of physical strength, pain, things that all human beings experience, regardless which religion they belong to. Uh, uh, suffering, resulting in the need for hospitals, think about it, caregivers, painkillers, anesthesia, medication, all these things. These are wrong. They should not be. Why? God did not intend the world to be like that. Think about it. Billions of dollars in painkillers. So the good news, your gospel that you share with people is to tell them this will cease. There will be no more hospital, no more pain, no more sickness, no more, no more disease, actually no more weeping, wailing, crying. Those things will be over. Okay, it's not done though. We have another problem that we share as human beings. Remember, I was telling you, only in the Bible do you find a comprehensive diagnosis. Okay? Another problem, we have death. The negation of all God's purposes. The last bad news. Why do I call it that? It's called the last enemy in the Bible. 
Okay? Uh, so the one that tears apart and puts, puts, sorry here, a formidable barrier between us and all that, the, that we hold dear. It brings sorrow, regret, loneliness, misery, nostalgia, and a whole plethora of disappointing and bitter experiences. Death. There is nobody here in this room who has not experienced a close relative dying, separation, because of death. And it's terrible. I mean, nobody. I just did a trip myself to where I was born because there were two deaths in my family. Loss of dominion. <laughs> Remember Adam and Eve? Two deaths in my family. Loss of dominion. <laughs> Remember Adam and Eve? Good death in my family. Loss of dominion. <laughs> Remember Adam and Eve? You know, they, they were to rule of everything. They lost it. Would be able to put his hand in a cobra's hole and no problem. Why? Because there will be no harm in all my holy mountain, God says. And that would be beautiful. Think about it. You know, I don't know you, you don't know me, and uh, um, at first, you know, distance. And why? What? Because it's normal. You know? We're living in a world where there's danger. You know, it is only when we feel comfortable that we get closer and then we start talking, even communicating. Oh, this person will not harm me, then we can. And when you have now total, complete trust in someone, then you will say, oh, not only will this person not harm me, harm me, but this person, oh, I trust this person, I can even marry this person. When you really trust, you know, you say, oh, okay. But in this world, most of the time there's disruption. Now, let me move on to... In the Garden of Eden, remember, the serpent... What was that announcing? A problem. This is something that Adventists can share with the world, why people suffer, and that actually that's part of even prophecy, the great controversy. And say, what is, there's something that is happening behind the scene. Some of you who are in schools or whatever, in the metaphysical world, something is happening behind the scene. What is that? Simply a great controversy, battle. Not just of the mind, but the bodies, emotions, at every level. Between Christ and Satan. Okay. The devil and its demons are enraged against God's family. The remnant, his church. The woman and her descendants, the remnant. Okay. There is another problem. You know what is the other problem? This, is, this may surprise you that I will put it this way, but God is exiled from his world. Uh, this is not something that I'm fabricating, by the way. Uh, when people sin, they are expelling God. You see, you are like a sanctuary, each one of us. And when we sin, we are telling God, get out of me. I don't want your Holy Spirit. 
Okay, let me just take one example here quickly. In the book of uh, Ezekiel, those of you who have your Bibles, if you were to open Ezekiel chapter 8, let me just read uh, uh, a very tragic, dramatic passage. Um, okay. Hmm. I'm going to read um, verse 4. Ezekiel 8, verse 4. This is wonderful to come to a place where people come with their Bibles and maybe your iPods and so forth can have also a Bible. Now, listen to this. Verse 4. Behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there. We're talking about glory of the God of Israel was there. This was the sanctuary, interestingly. Ezekiel chapter 8. Like the vision I saw in the plain. That was chapter 1. And then verse 5. Then he, God, said to me, Son of man, lift your eyes now towards the north. Towards the north. So I lifted my eyes toward the north. And there, north of the altar gate, was the image of jealousy in the entrance. This was an idol. Guess what? In the temple. Idol in the temple. And now, furthermore, he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing, the great abominations that the house of Israel commits here? To what? Make me go far from my sanctuary. In other words, when we allow idols, <laughs> even in our lives, whatever that idol is, we are expelling God. Because we're temples. We're sanctuaries. Each one of us. So God, because of sin, has exiled. Where God is, there is peace. The tragedies, the I mean, catastrophes, all these things, God say that will cease when he will finally be able to permanently dwell among his people. That's why I pray every day, come Lord Jesus. God's exile, by the way, is going to be cured, healed by the second coming. And that's part of the marvelous good news. One more. The worst news is to be abandoned by God. Eternal separation. That's the worst news. Now, remember what I was telling you very simply today. I'm trying to zoom in on what is it that we call good news. Comprehensive good news. So far, we have established that this good news is predicated upon bad news. Right? So what I was doing until now, so that you follow me, I, I, I was just listing the bad news. Right? And it only from the first chapter of Genesis. Those of you curious enough to go to pursue this further, you could go, well, this was the Garden of Eden, but go to Egypt. What was the bad news in Egypt? Pharaoh ruled. Bad news, God's people enslaved. No, bad news, they were poor. They didn't possess anything. Everything that they had was for their taskmasters. Bad news. So you understand the book of Exodus is actually, he, he, the Bible is magnificent. Now, 
Let just take a few minutes to show you this. Think about the book of Exodus. What are the good news? Well, liberation. <laughs> because God wanted to liberate. It's very simple, by the way. People make the Bible so complicated. But think about it. You have a very simple model. Uh, liberation is announced. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Liberation announced. Liberation is delayed. Why? Because Pharaoh refused. Therefore, God had to send the plagues. Defeat of the enemy. Finally, 10th plague, Pharaoh now let God's people go. Where did they go? Oh, they had an appointment, a rendezvous at Sinai. What for? A covenant. What for? A gift. What kind of gift? The law. Oh, and at the heart of the law, the Sabbath. So, liberation announced, liberation delayed, liberation fulfilled, covenant. And then, what? Worship. Let them build a sanctuary. Oh, but did they build a sanctuary right away? So, worship announced. Worship delayed. Why? Because chapter 32 to, to chapter 34, there is a problem. What kind of problem? Hey, the golden calf. So, worship delayed. Finally, chapter 40, sanctuary is erected, worship fulfilled. So, what are the good news there? How the good news? God's intervention. The good news, God's liberation. The good news, God sent having his people out of Egypt. The good news, therefore, covenant, gift of the law. Good news, worship. Move to Babylon. Bad news, God's people in exile. Bad news, they have lost their kingdom. They lost the king. They have lost the temple. No sacrifice. No uh, priestly function. No atonement, therefore. And no autonomy as a people. What are the good news? The book of Daniel is a book of good news. How so? <laughs> Imagine Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego uh, 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 <laughs> asking God, please, please God, restore our kingdom. God say, I'm not interested in a local kingdom. I'll restore an everlasting kingdom. Chapter 2. But God, restore our king. No, no, no. I'm not interested in the local king. Chapter 7, the son of man coming. Worshipped by everyone. Oh, but Lord, how about our sanctuary? Good news. Earthly sanctuary. I'm not interested in something local and temporal limited. There is a heavenly sanctuary. But God, what about the sacrifice? Uh, by, by the way, that was chapter 8. But Lord, what about the sacrifice? No, 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 don't worry about that. There will, someone is coming and will make a sacrifice once and for all. Chapter 9. But God, what about our people? Well, chapter 10 to 11, Gabriel came and tell, I'm coming to reveal to you the destiny of your people. Listen, the Bible is the book of good news. But you ought to read it in a way as to see what is it that God is really doing here. Because this is what you, this shallow, superficial, you know, I mean, oh, I'm preaching the gospel. But when we are asked, what is the gospel? We are unable to give a comprehensive picture. That's not right. Not right for Adventists. Okay. Now, let me move on to say this. What is needed is restoration of fellowship with God. Somebody said it. Atonement for sin. Forgiveness. Cancellation of the curse. Now, notice what I'm doing here is to just take the bad news and say, let's reverse them. Okay? Restoration of life. Why? Because 
it doesn't matter who you are, age is coming your way. <laughs> you know? And the diminution of strength. I used to run faster. I'm still okay, but it's not so okay. <laughs> you know, uh, think about it. E e emotional, fullness of life, are emotional. See, sometimes we so, I mean, somebody will come and say the little thing about me and I'm totally broken. Why is it so? Somebody will come and see you, uh, you know, and what's your name? Danny. And say, Danny, Lord, thank you Look, for creating Danny. Danny, it's wonderful. Thank you for who you are. And that morning, Danny is so happy and, you know, wow, she affirms me. You know, self-esteem, fine. Tomorrow, another person come. Oh, Lord, how did you create Danny? You know, so like, and, oh, Danny, and I have a bad day. You know, he started, why do we give people that much power? Because of the disruption of this emotional stability. If someone would come and say to Danny, Danny, you're terrible, let's say, oh my goodness, if you knew the Holy Spirit, you would have a, you would have a different opinion. <laughs> and that would, that would take care of it. Danny would not be affected. Why? Because his emotions would not be, you know. And spiritually, we, I mean, are you anchored in the Bible in a way to discern what's truth? I mean, not just truth, but the whole chain of truth. Now, complete, what we need, therefore, is a recreation at, well, at all levels. New heaven, new earth, and the Bible talks about that. Complete shalom along with, uh, with its prerequisite, that is justice, righteousness, and peace. Now, I'm talking about the good news that you and I are called to share. So what God, what, what God provides is already evident in the acts and promises of God. The good news are acts of God, purpose to reverse the plight, dislocation, difficulty of human existence. Now, life in the world, uh, in the way we experience, has its plethora of tragedy. But God, throughout the Bible, promises something better. You know, something better. That's why we are Adventists. We're waiting for something better. You know, okay, let me just, I had <laughs> another section that I have to skip here for time's sake, where I take this from a larger perspective, just the heart is wicked. Uh, imagination, touched, addicted to ungodliness and lust, human will incapacitated and bonded, the word of our emotion broken, all human beings are wounded, seeking healing at times, craving after relief to affirmation, reinforcement of self-esteem, and so forth. Okay? The human body weakens daily. Fear paralyzes the inbuilt hope and instinct of survival disposition. Relationship with others is troubled by selfishness. I'm talking about problems still, huh? Nature, even nature, Romans 8, eagerly awaits for liberation. Antagonism, ravages even the animal world. Okay, how about evil spirits have invaded the earth? That's part of the great controversy. Huh? Pain, suffering affect every person. Desire for aut I mean, autonomy. You can see the problems here. Again, this will be posted, okay? You have the original curse. Huh? All are in exile and in need of exodus and, home and homecoming. Each one of us. We're not home yet. Yes, with the Lord but it will be completed soon. By the way, uh, 
the comprehensive good news then? <laughs> what do we have? Let me give you a brief sampling. Re revelation of God. Because guess what? God is the good news. <laughs> God's acts in history. Atonement. The, okay. the covering of Adam and Eve. Back to Genesis, right? Good news. Cancellation of the curse. Nobody can say today I am cursed. If you have accepted Christ, it's gone. Cancelled. Know who you are there for. By the way, good news, announcement of the defeat of the serpent. <laughs> because if the serpent is not defeated, if, if our enemies are not defeated, you know, by the way, this is important. You go to some parts of the world and even to your neighbors. Many of them fear the evil spirits. Now you tell them, you know, they are defeated. Defeated. Okay, how about pain? It will be no more soon. Death, defeated. That's, by the way, the authenticating mark of Christianity. Okay. Restoration of peace, fellowship. Celebration of God's grace, truth, and character, and in confidence. So the good news is a reversal of all the negative and harmful realities. Let me finish this by saying this. Let me move on to the climax. Because guess what? The good news has a name. <laughs> Why? Now think about all the lists of things that I mentioned to you. He is the demonstration of God's love. It begins there. The good news is that he became sin. That takes care of our sin problem. Are you with me? Also, he bore the curse. Clearly experienced the abandonment of the Father. I mean, this is very clearly stated in the Bible. He bore the curse. He, I mean, so that the blessing of God might reach us. Also, he became the righteousness of God for us. In 2 Corinthians 5, say, Though we knew no sin, he became so that we might become righteousness of God through him. Guess what? He brought grace and truth. The law came through Moses, it is said, but grace and truth through Christ. And of course, I wish we had time to unpack because this word grace, what does it really mean? You know, God has given us mind to be thinkers. Please don't belittle your intellectual dimension or the, the intellectual dimension of your life. And the Holy Spirit can even fertilize the soil of your imagination and learning abilities. He does it. Guess what? Jesus overcame death. That's why he, he is the good news. I'm the resurrection and the life, he says. Okay? So, uh, he became also God's sanctuary among human beings. We could continue, but I have to stop. You can see just at least a little uh, of the, the, the magnificent nature of what we call the comprehensive good news. That, is, that was the title of this, uh, as an antidote of all the world's sins and sorrows. Notice, this you find in no world religion. And guess what? I studied them very carefully, very carefully. But there's nothing like the comprehensive good news, gospel, or everlasting good news 
as Ellen White calls it, as the Bible calls it, that you find anywhere else. That's why God has chosen you. And when I say you, it means each one of you to share with your neighbors, whoever they are, what the everlasting good news is. But if you forget everything about what I say today, just remember, Jesus is the good news. And uh, we will expand more on this, especially on our last session on Friday, tomorrow, when we will come back. Okay, well, now, how do you present Christ to other people? I will come back to this aspect in particular. All right, thank you. for. We will take a pause, do I understand? Uh, of, uh, because next session starts, sorry. Next session will start, um, and I will... Forgive me for, for the time. I will allow some questions. I'm sorry. In 15 minutes, is it so? Okay, in 15 minutes. And then I will start the following session uh, for, with questions of, of clarification on this one. Next session, we will look now more closely. Your neighbor is a Muslim? Who is he? Or who is she? What is his, how can I better understand his world so that I can share the comprehensive good news to him or to her? That is what we will be looking at in 15 minutes. Blessings to each one of you. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.